From the nation's capital to the sunshine state. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. So good to be on with you. Joe McLean here, your host on Mondays. Dave Palmer hosts the Fridays. I host the Monday. We have the team here, and it's the uh, the very... I don't know, is this the last day of our... Of our quote, air quotes, beloved intern, Adrian Fonseca. I, I'm not even sure. In, uh, you, Mike has to be on order. I'm in denial right now. I think he's going to come back. You think so? Yeah, I think That's he's going to be back sad. next week. Yeah, I'll be back next. Uh, I'll be back on Monday. So the, Monday, next Monday will be my last time. Oh, I was right. Yeah. I see. I didn't and even then, know I was right. And then I leave that Wednesday. Darn. So I next was, Wednesday is my last day. I was Jeez. hoping today was it. But yeah. Oh. Okay. Wow. I made I made plans for your office, your parking space. I have an office. I have a parking space. Me too. Tim didn't mention that, huh? Okay, moving on. All right, so uh, we'll be we'll be talking a little bit with Adrian today, uh, probably in the after show a little bit, because uh, we have a new intern. We have yet to introduce her to the show and to the audience, so we need to do that. And he's been doing a lot of training with her. He has, and uh, and I'm looking forward to the upgrade. I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, but t- but today on the program, we're going to have the beloved Monsignor Charles Pope, and I'm not saying that with air quotes this time. The beloved, we've we've had him on many times here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We we love Monsignor Charles. Pope. In fact, he's giving a keynote at our Summer Speakers Series event on July 23rd for our North Texas stations, but I honestly don't know why anybody anywhere in the GRN might not uh, take advantage of that. Just go to grnonline.com, go to the events menu at the top, and go to the Summer Speaker Series, and you will find the information there. But Today he's going to be on the program because I've been wanting to talk about this particular topic for some time. That is obedience to one's bishop. It's a tricky topic in the sense that we want to be and should be and ought to be obedience, obedient to our bishops. <clears throat> Excuse me. But where is the line? That's the question. From a lay perspective. In the, in the face of ongoing scandals within the church that are public and horrific, uh, in the in the face of all that has happened in 2020, uh, you know, there's been a growing movement of lay people who are like, we need to stand up, we need to be faithful, we need to be courageous, and we need to be led by our shepherds, and where are they? So the idea here is, where's that line? Let's explore that a little bit, and not to be disobedient, but rather to be obedient to our bishops and to be faithful. We need to find that line and find that hope and find that encouragement, and we think Monsignor Charles Pope can add to that conversation, so he'll be on the program today. All that plus much, much more. Of course, over the weekend there was some uh, tragedy and uh, burnings of churches and defacing uh, Catholic statuary. That is getting seemingly getting worse. We'll discuss that here in a minute and more. So let's let's pray. Then we'll jump into the headlines with Tim on. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Tim Ott. Good morning. New U.S. coronavirus cases reached record levels over the weekend, with deaths trending up sharply in a majority of states. Although testing has remained flat, 20 states and Puerto Rico have reported a record high average of new infections over the past week. Five states, Arizona, California, Florida, Mississippi, and Texas, also broke records for the average daily fatalities in that period. At least 3,290,000 cases and more than 132,000 deaths have been reported in the United States. A massive fire devastated an 18th century mission church in San Gabriel in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles on July 11th. Archbishop Jose Gomez of Los Angeles called the fire at San Gabriel Mission Church, founded by St. Junipero Serra, devastating. The fire began early Saturday morning around 4 a.m. and destroyed the roof and interior of the 249-year-old structure. 
Um, also, uh, well, uh, federal authorities who have yet to determine the cause that destroyed the church's roof and much of historic building, no cause determined yet. On Saturday morning, a man crashed a minivan through the front door of Queen of Peace Catholic Church in Ocala, Florida, and then lit a fire while parishioners inside prepared for morning mass. Stephen Anthony Shields of Dunalon, Florida, has been charged with attempted murder, arson, burglary, and evading arrest after he was apprehended by police on July 11th. Police were called to reports of a fire on Bowdoin Street in the Dorchester neighborhood of Boston at around 10 p.m. on July 11th. Local police confirmed that a statue of the Blessed Virgin located outside the Church of St. Peter's Parish had been set on fire and suffered damage. And on July 10th, the Diocese of Brooklyn announced that New York City police were investigating the vandalization of a statue of the Virgin Mary at Cathedral Prep School and Seminary in Queens. Security footage shows an individual approaching the 100-year-old statue shortly after 3 a.m. Friday morning and dobbing the word idol down its length. After reports that sailors and their families could be barred from attending church services, the U.S. Navy has clarified that its personnel may attend indoor religious services, provided that religious services take approved measures to uh, limit the spread of the coronavirus. Archbishop Timothy Brolio of the Archdiocese for Military Services has welcomed this change. And finally, Turkish President Erdogan has ordered the Hagia Sophia Museum, one of Istanbul's most famous landmarks, to be converted into a mosque. Pope Francis expressed his sadness Sunday after the after the decision, and the change to the museum status has been widely condemned internationally. And back to you, Joe. Saint Emmanuel Levanfung, pray for us. He was a martyr of the uh, 19th century. He was the sort of the head of his family, and uh, as such, he had a lot of uh, you know influence on his community and those around him. But he was a devout. Catholic man who loved his faith and helped to spread Catholic faith in Vietnam under uh, the oppression of King Tuk, uh, Tuduk and there was uh, a lot of sort of uh, it, it reminds me of 16th century England in the sense that they were having to do things quietly you know under the cover of night hiding priests here and there catechizing you know in the shadows type of thing well he was a, a public figure and yet he was still doing all of this on the back end helping to secretly build churches and parish houses uh, hiding priests in his home constantly in fact that's ultimately what got him in trouble uh, he, he was well known within his community so they kind of knew that the, the local authorities knew that he was doing this, but they turned the cheek because he was a good man. He was trying to build his community. But uh, two people, two men did betray him and they caught him with 32 missionaries living in his home. 32. He was 62 years old at the time on July 13th. I think it was 1859 when he was arrested and tortured. And they basically gave him a choice. They said, if you'll just, you know, stomp on this image of the crucifix, renounce uh, your Christianity, you, you can go home. It's okay. It's no problem. Well, he refused. In fact, uh, he said this. Uh, he said, quote, he belonged to a noble family capable of doing great things. But if he stepped on the image of the cross, uh, that he would be a, a, a traitor. So he goes on to take off his his crucifix and hands it to a relative. I think it was his niece. And he says this to her, quote, you cannot give me gold or silver more precious than Jesus' picture. Please put it on your neck and keep it, unquote. He went to his death. They beheaded him there on July 13th, 1859 for the faith. And he gives us an incredible example of heroic courage in the face of persecution. And one I think that we should meditate upon very seriously in these days. Uh, God forbid we should all have to suffer at all, uh, shed our blood for the faith. But you know what? It's possible. And the question is, what will we do when that day comes? You know what else is important today is to remember that on this day in 1917, the Queen of Heaven and Earth visited three shepherd children and she showed them the vision of hell. I want you to meditate on this, too. This is the description, according to Lucia, uh, what she said uh, the vision looked like. And it was only for an instant. Quote, Our lady showed us a great sea of fire, which seemed to be under the earth. Plunged in this fire were demons and souls in human form, like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze. Floating about in the conflagration, now raised into the air by the flames that issued from within themselves, together with great clouds of smoke, now falling back on every side like sparks in a huge fire, without weight or equilibrium. 
and amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with fear. The demons could be distinguished by their terrifying and repulsive likeness to frightful and unknown animals, all black and transparent. The vision lasted but an instant. How can we ever be grateful enough to our kind Heavenly Mother who had already prepared us by promising in the first apparition to take us to heaven? Otherwise, I think we would have died of fear and terror. Unquote. Can you imagine the Lady uh, of Heaven showing these three children the vision of hell? Why? Because people go there and they suffer for eternity. And this is the goal, is to avoid this is to help souls avoid this and get to heaven. Great charity requires us to help people avoid hell. And uh, in fact, on this day, July 13th, 1917, she also warned, she also warned that the errors of Russia would spread all over the world unless we did something. Like a virus, uh, communism would spread all over the world and destroy souls. Marxism, socialism, communism, it is spreading across our world. We are seeing this this come across our very doorsteps these days, and we must do the thing that she asked us. What was that? To pray, specifically the Holy Rosary, every single day. Pray the Holy Rosary and do acts of reparation. This is a very important message, and I want us to recall this on this incredible day. July 13th, these three shepherd children were given a vision that only... Only if we could see the same vision, I think it might uh, might change our hearts in many ways. And today we're going to be talking to Monsignor Charles Pope about some of that. But before we do that, let's invite Teresa Kamara from HoustonCoalition.com on the show. Good morning. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Praise Jesus, I'm alive. Great. That counts, right? Yeah. <laughs> As you were talking about the um, importance of praying the rosary and... Um, it reminded me of a testimony that I heard over the weekend from Anne Marie Schmidt that's on Lighthouse Media. Yeah. And she talks about how she, um, her family was basically attacked in, in, um, <clears throat> I'm going to pronounce the name wrong, so I'm just going to leave her alone. <laughs> um, so, um, but it, by the Nazis. And so she ended up, um, being able to maintain mm-hmm. uh, the possession of her rosary that was blessed by the Pope and was given to her by her father on her first Holy Communion. Wow. And as she's, and the Nazis had taken everything. And so her friend said, I think the Nazis cannot see this rosary because they took everything from us. And so she kept praying with it. Well, uh, through all of her suffering, she was trained um, by them, you know, beaten by them, mm. trained by th- them as a nurse, um, and she ended up, um, she was exhausted, she was in this this pit, and she was like, God, I just want to die, and that's what she wow. was, she was just praying, she was like, I can't see one more dead body, I can't help anybody else, I just, you know, I'm exhausted, and of course, she's a prisoner at this point, acting yeah. as a nurse, and um, she hears this call for, help me, help me, and so she's like, God, I can't help him, I just, I can't handle it, I just want to die myself, and then she heard God tell her to go help this person. Wow. And so she went and she was like, I recognize his accent is he's speaking Russian. So he's my enemy <laughs> on top of this. He's like the enemy of my enemy. And so she goes over there and he asks her for beads. And those beads were the rosary. And so she's like, God, you preserve this rosary for this man in his dying moment. And Amen. so she baptized him there on the battlefield dying. Yeah. And, That's amazing. You know, yeah. And so like that, that really just spoke to me, you know, just in the sense like she went through all this suffering and she mm-hmm. was you know, ready to give up. And so we should never, ever give up. We always have to keep relying on Our Lady and the and the graces that we're able to receive through her as mediatrix through the rosary. And so so I'm glad that we're we're touching on this. And it's always important to never take Our Lady of Fatima for granted. I, oh, I'm no. seeing more and more like people that are kind of like it's easy to kind of blow it out of proportion. But at the same time, like look at it, what it for what it is. Like yeah. be real. Like you know, when people are in love, they tend to blow things out of proportion. But yeah. we want to be loved for who we are. And mm. and Our Lady of Fatima really appeared, and so we yeah. need to appreciate what she told us. Seventy plus thousand people witnessed the miracle of the sun on October 13th of 1917. But uh, on uh, July 13th, 1917, I think it was uh, Lucia's father who uh, attested to seeing seeing an actual impression above the tree, mm-hmm. uh, the, above the little bush tree or whatever that was that she often hovered above on a cloud. He saw the little cloud. He saw the impression. He didn't get to see her, but he got to see something there. So even on uh, July 13th, there were witnesses of this incredible uh, 
ongoing operation with a, a huge message, message to the world that I think we've not heeded uh, for the most part. Well, and I think that's also um, that whole situation with the children um, really speaks to the fact that the more... Clo- the closer you are to Christ, the more you can see, the more clarity that <laughs> you have within the faith, within life. And then they, he couldn't see her. They couldn't hear her. And, and there were a lot of reasons for that. And so mm. it's very important during this time to, to not take for granted the, the sacramental abilities if they, you have the accessible and to not just continue to pray, yeah. you know, and build that relationship wherever you're at. And so, um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on in the news, um, around these statues being burned. And, right. and it's really, it's a, it's a time of, of, of attack, unfortunately, where we're seeing this attack on the Catholic Church, and so um, it's going to take great courageous men to rise up, like we saw. I've seen this in various people that I know, like yeah. yourself. I'm going to a church to make sure that people don't destroy it whenever it's under threat, and yeah. and it's not that you plan to go there to to bring your artillery and whatever else. That's that's <clears> not <throat> what we're doing. It's not take back the Alamo. You know, I mean, there are moments I have of that artillery, but. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> My wife's been hiding that from me. <laughs> but, but as like far- a howitzer? That'd be amazing. I love that. <laughs> but as far as just like being there, being present, and, and, uh, it, and a lot of times, yeah. evil stops just because someone is there. Someone stands. Yeah. Cause I yeah. mean, like, I even was in a situation during COVID. There was a child who is not, he wasn't being straight up abused, but just like the fact that I showed up and I kind of like looked at the person, they were like, okay, I'm going to stop. Yeah. Cause someone's here to witness. And so just being that person who's willing to show witness. up. Yeah, yeah, like TFP guys have been touring all of the country, praying these uh, rosary rallies, mm-hmm. and they have encountered BLM and Antifa and others in various locations. In fact, I had a great conversation with a couple of the TFP guys uh, yesterday after Holy Mass, and we're going to get them back on the air to give us an update on their rosary rally. You know, it's very important. That, you know, we don't want violence. That's right. not the goal. The goal exactly. is not confrontation violence. The goal is prayer. It's what Our Lady of Fatima asked of us to, to bring uh, the Holy Rosary to bear as a spiritual weapon, less a physical one, but a spiritual one with potent capability to uh, to transfigure uh, society into something greater, something more in, more along the lines of the uh, the kingdom of Christ on earth. And you know, Our Lady warned the children that because we would not be listening and heeding this warning, that a greater chastisement would still come. And she even said when it would happen. She said there'd be a great so- uh, sight in the sky, a, a co- like these uh, this sign in the sky of colors. And it, just before World War Two uh, launched in Poland. Uh, the great red, uh, what do you call it? The, um, Aurorus Borealis took place mm-hmm. and everybody was like, what is this? Why mm-hmm. are we seeing this? And it happened just before, about a month before, uh, Hitler invaded Poland. So, you know, these warnings have come to us. We haven't listened. And, you know, over the weekend, we saw in Brooklyn that uh, statue of Our Lady being defaced with mm-hmm. the words idol on mm-hmm. it. And I just, just think about that for a second. This is the mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is perfectly man and perfectly God, and this was his mom. Mm-hmm. What do you think he's going to do when he sees you? You're the person who defaced my mom's, my mom's statue, the image of my mother. That's my mom. God. Would we allow and that? And Jewish to, boys love their mothers. Would we allow <laughs> that to happen to our mothers, our own mothers? Would we let someone deface a picture, an image of our own mothers? No, heck no, we wouldn't allow that. Why would we allow that for the queen of heaven and earth, our own mother? Absolutely, well, I, Joe. I was thinking about that because I was thinking, what if I walked into your house and I was like, oh, you invited me over for dinner. And I come over and I'm like, oh, what lovely house you got there. Oh. Is that a picture of your mother? Right. And I take it and throw it on the ground <laughs> and stomp it on it. It's like, oh, but thanks for the invite. Decapitate it, which is what happened in Indiana Indiana on July 3rd. They found a, a decapitated uh, uh, statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And it's 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 got to stop. And this is going to require the lay faithful uh, to stand up and to pray, to yeah. fast, do acts of reparation, but also to, to also guard these images. Why? Mm-hmm. Uh, because is that an idol? No. That is an image of Our Lady, the Queen of Heaven and Earth, who has one goal in her entire existence, and that is to bring souls to her Son, the Savior of humanity. Mm-hmm. And you know, something we're doing in, in Houston right now is there's a group of guys around my age, about in their 20s, 30s, 
and they are um, getting together on a group chat to be ready for anything that happens in Houston, uh, that they're going to send out a group chat. We're all over Houston. Like Miniman. And basically, yeah, like Miniman. And so if anything happens there, uh, we have a bunch of guys that are willing to yeah. get up and go. We need that, too. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's that story uh, Tim reported on in Ocala, Florida, about this gentleman who drove his minivan into a church, a Catholic church there in Ocala. And then he got out, and he took out two gallons of fuel and poured it all over the narthex and then lit it and then fled. And they caught, they caught him. Now, I was listening to Taylor Marshall yesterday talk about this very story. He shared, because it was shared with him personally, that uh, there were some men from the parish who handed the police officers St. Michael medals the day before this happened. Those very same police officers are the ones who responded to this incident and apprehended. Now, according to the local uh, news outlet website, Click. Uh, it's uh, clickorlando.com is where I'm getting the story, and the title of the article is Man Charged in Florida Church Arson Attack. They have a picture of this man, and it's just like you look at him, and, and you can tell this is a very disturbed person just by looking at this man's eyes. But this is the quote from the article. Quote, Shields told detectives what he did was, quote, awesome, unquote, and he smiled and laughed. The affidavit said, He told detectives he was, quote, on a mission, unquote, called himself king, and that he has problems with the Catholic Church and referenced passages in the Bible's book of Revelation. So that is a direct reading from this article. And again, go go look at it and look at this person in the eye. And then pray for this person. Pray for this person's conversion. Do acts of reparation for for this man. By the grace of God, the the sanctuary of this church was not completely ruined. It was not even all that damaged. It was just the narthex. But still, oh, uh, two... The uh, two relics in the in the narthex were undamaged, even though the frame mm. was completely burnt. So a little minor miracle there. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And you said you're going to have the TFP members on. The, yeah. One of the TFP members was actually there. Uh, really? He goes to, yeah, he's there. TFP seat in Florida is 10 Amazing. minutes away from that church. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll have to tell that story, too. And then, of course, we saw the the, the San Gabriel mission in uh, in California was also burnt. Now, there is... There is no suspects in this. They're not even saying whether or not they think it was arson. They are investigating. So it just, you could say it was diabolical coincidence at the very least, I would imagine. Uh, but the fire started in the, in the choir loft and then spread rapidly across the wooden roof and it all caved in. Mm-hmm. But by the grace of God, this, the, uh, the, the altar was not damaged. So the, the firefighters, uh, apparently fought relentlessly to prevent the altar from, from being damaged. And they just finished restoring that church. Oh, wow. I mean, uh, but this is the location where they were attacking the uh, statue of St. Hanepro Serra. So, uh, these are difficult and troubling times that we live in. But here is, um, he, oh, of course, there was the uh, the statue of Our Lady that was burnt outside of Boston. Uh, there, were, so there's pictures of that as well uh, over the weekend. Uh, you know, this is incredible, difficult times that we're living in, where they want to attack. And if you go book back and read, uh, you know, the Book of Revelation, chapter 12 in particular, and you see that passage of Our Lady and how the devil attacks her, this ancient dragon, this serpent. The, you know, he attacks her because she is Kekaretomene. She is the all holy. She is filled to the maximum uh, capacity of God's very grace, and therefore she is not a sin. She has no stain of sin on her soul at all. None. Zero zilch. She doesn't have a bad day. She doesn't get moody or temperamental like you and I do. She is filled with God's grace. And because the devil can have no uh, control over her whatsoever, and he failed utterly to, uh, to uh, defeat her, he turns to attack her children. Go read it. Uh, chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, he turns to attack her children. So the attacks on Our Lady, on her statues, on her images, are just the devil, like a spoiled little child, you know, in his tamper, temper tantrum, trying to do what he is incapable of. And uh, Our Lady will not be uh, defeated by him at all, ever. So these are tragic days. But here's one interesting story related to Our Lady over the weekend. According to Aletia, there's an article called Madrid Fisherman Stumbles Upon 14th Century Statue of Madonna and Child. He was uh, fishing in a little uh, river, and he uh, tripped over uh, what he thought was a rock until he took a closer look. And it turns out to be a statue which had been defaced centuries ago and left in the river. Like, what are the coincidences of finding this statue 
on this weekend when there was a, 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 like a huge amount of, of activity going on against Our Lady and churches all over the country and the world. So well, it's, it's fascinating. Of, it's kind of um, a sign of hope to me because yeah, you I think about so. how like the blood. You, I always grew up hearing that the blood of the martyrs is what is feeds and grows the church like it's it's what it's not that we want someone to die right. but but the courage that is shown inspires faith in others yes. and they're like I want to to know that I want to to know what you know and who you know and and how you have this courage to die like for for something that you believe in and so I I think this is going to be a very important time to take those steps you know individually not so much that you that that you're going to die but just like being there just showing up and and like I said a lot of a lot of it this point if people show up and there's a whole group they're the enemy is more likely to back down the enemy against the catholic church is more likely yeah. to just move on to do something else cuz they're doing it in the dark they're doing it separately yeah. they're not they're not doing it with witnesses so yeah. Um, but there is a whole lot of pro-life news I know. before we get to break. Do you well, want me to start now? Or? We are we, we are <laughs> going to be speaking with Monsignor Charles Pope here in just a few minutes, actually. We're going to be talking about uh, you know, a topic that I've wanted to speak about for a while, and that's obedience to one's bishop. As a lay person, I know he's not a lay, I'm a lay. But the question is, can he give us some insight into this topic? Where is the line in being critical of one's bishop or, you know, on on either side of any of the topics we may bring up today? Uh, there are lay folk who are critical. And the question is, where is the line in that? You know, we want to be faithful, we want to be obedient, we want to be in good standing, we don't want to commit sins, we don't want to be uh, spreading lies, rumors, and the rest. Uh, but at the same time, you know, where are where's the line? Because we definitely think there's there's an opportunity here to be uh, to be courageous and to speak out boldly about certain issues. And I'm hoping Monsignor Charles Pope will give us some good insight and counsel on that. But before we do, there are some good news uh, mm-hmm. in the pro-life cause. The sisters yeah, have finally sisters won the their board. case. I mean, we've dragged them through the mud for now. Mm-hmm. What has it been? Eight years or something? Yeah, something like that. So, and on Wednesday, June 8th, they are no longer being forced to distribute the abortifacient and contraceptive drugs to their employees. So they. <laughs> Um, you know, they're not going to be doing that and they're not going to be having to dispense drugs that will actually kill the unborn, um, being forced to originally by the Affordable Care Act, um, also known as Obamacare. Also, um, Katrina Jackson, uh, from Louisiana is bouncing back after the Rousseau vs. June medical services loss. Um, she has introduced an amendment to the Louisiana Constitution. Um, they can vote yes or no on quote, nothing in this Constitution shall be constituted to secure or protect a right to abortion or require the funding of abortion, which is great because that means that the abortion cannot be put into the Louisiana Constitution as a right. And then also, um, what's interesting about the Supreme Court right now, they have sent um, some cases in Indiana back to the federal court level in light of Rousseau versus June Medical Services. Um, in Indiana, they're looking at SBO, uh, sorry, SB 404, stronger parental rights for minor minors abortions, and so that will require the abortionist to actually have a signed consent from the parent before she can have the abortion. Otherwise, there's serious legal repercussions. Um, and then there's also House Bill 1337, which is a selective sex selective and disability abortion ban. So if a woman was to be found out to be aborting because of race, gender. Um, disability, um, and including Down syndrome, then it cannot take, like the abortion cannot take place and the abortionist will be held accountable. Um, it also, um, requires an ultrasound to be done 18 hours prior, which is so important because they need to be able to know how far, the woman needs to be able to see her baby. She needs to know how far along she is. Otherwise, she really cannot make a, an honest decision. She she needs to be able to see her baby. And what's ironic about the article that I read and I and unfortunately I didn't have time to, to research this further, but there supposedly only four out of the nine abortion facilities have an ultrasound machine, which does not make the least bit of sense if mm. that's true, because they have to be able to do an ultrasound in order to do the actual abortion. They have to know how far along she is to char- to know what to charge her and what procedure to use. Wow! And so all they really have to do is turn the screen for her to be able to see it. Listen, maybe listen to the heartbeat, um, and and she can make an honest decision based on that. Because a lot of women will change their mind based on the age of the baby. Also. 
Um, this bill would require a human disposition of fetal body parts. So it would require that the, uh, sorry, humane disposition of fetal body parts, which means that they would have to bury or cremate the unborn child who has been aborted unless the woman wants to take charge of that baby, which, like, what woman is going to want to take the, the unborn baby's, you know, the preborn baby's body home with her after it's been killed? Um, and then also, some good news. Mm. We have... Um, an abortionist that is been deposed after the death of one of her clients, Keisha oh, wow. Atkins. Um, she um, actually admits in court that she encouraged women not to call 911 if they had a complication. Really? Um, yeah. So this is a huge problem because she was basically saying that the um, emergency care centers cannot take care of um, abortion clients to the level that an abortionist can, which is one more argument, actually, if you think about it, in favor of of abortionists needing hospital privileges. So, um, so just by default. So, so fortunately she's been deposed. Um, and then also one more thing, 40 days for life has reopened its ability to sign people up. If you want to go pray outside of an abortion facility, spreading out, um, and just focusing on prayer, women see these people out there praying and it helps them to change their minds. So there's more in the news, but we're we're getting there. There's always the after show. Yes. We're going to cover more in the after show. So, Stick around. So we're going to go to break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to be speaking with Monsignor Charles Pope about, uh, you know, where's the line in obedience to one's bishop? Is there a line? And if so, what does that look like? Do we obey our bishops in everything, every time, everything they have to say or suggest we have to follow? Uh, Adrian is uh, nodding his head over there. but uh, Or is there a line? Is it faith and morals and then prudential judgment? I, who knows? I don't know. But i got to say, with everything coming at us in 2020, right? And uh, not to mention all of the scandals in the church that we were discussing up until January 1, it seems, uh, which have not gone away, nor have they been resolved. It seems like there is, not, there is a need here for, uh, for the lay folk to speak out and to be bold, but yet not be sinful and not be disobedient to one's bishop. So where's that line? We're going to have that conversation with Muncie and Charles Pope coming up next. You're listening to GRN Alive. Now is a great time to call 877-757-9424. Catholic Radio played a huge part in my life in helping me understand the faith. It was like one of the biggest things, and I still listen all the time. I have the bumper sticker on my viola case. People see it, and like, oh, Catholic Radio, it's the best thing ever. It changed my life. Catholic Radio is amazing. Please support Catholic Radio. It's just an amazing resource. So much you can learn there, so much inspiration to actually live out your faith. It's just incredible. I love Catholic Radio. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. We here at the Guadalupe Radio Network have some exciting news to share with you. We will be airing a new show called the Bishop Strickland Hour featuring Bishop Joseph Strickland of the Diocese of Tyler. This show will air on Fridays at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern. The Bishop Strickland Hour will debut on Friday, July 10th. Stay tuned to the Guadalupe Radio Network for more details. Visit us online at grnonline.com and download our app for your smartphone. You must have heard by now, right? Hi, Joe McLean here, and surely you've heard that GRN is rolling out a new texting tool, a service designed to keep you in the know. First access to information, two-way dialogues, and much, much more. All you got to do is pull out your cell phone and text GRN to 444-999. It's that easy. Just text GRN to 444-999. Join us. May God richly bless you. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition 
Uh, I'm Joe McLean. It's great to be hanging out with you on a Monday. Uh, Dave Palmer hosts the Friday show. I host the Monday show. And uh, joining us on the phone right now is Monsignor Charles Pope. Now, before we jump into our conversation with Monsignor, I just want to let you know that he's also the keynote speaker of our 12th annual Summer Speakers Series event. Now, typically, this is an event that happens in our North Texas market. However, being uh, the, to the 2020 that this has become, it uh, is going to be a, a streaming event. And if you would like to get in on that and hear his incredible uh, talk on courage, then I would encourage you to go to our website, grnonline.com, and just go to the events menu at the top, and then you'll see Summer Speaker Series there, and you'll be able to uh, to be able to get the information. It involves pizza, even at your house, and an autographed book from Monsignor himself called 300 Questions and Answers uh, to the Catholic Faith. And the website, again, is grnonline.com, grnonline.com. Go to events, look for Summer Speaker Series. And with that, Monsignor Charles uh, Pope is the pastor of Holy Comforter and St. Cyprian, a vibrant parish community in Washington, D.C. Monsignor Pope has become increasingly known uh, for his outspoken voice of clarity in the uh, current state of our church and culture, or mm-hmm. as uh, I've been criticized for saying, the new normal. And uh, with that, Monsignor Charles, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. You've been criticized for saying that, huh? <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah, uh, it's well, good. Have courage, my brother. Thank you, Monsignor. Thank you. It's good to have you on. It's great to have you uh, being a part of our broadcast today. I've always uh, thought you've been very inspirational, not just in, you know, in the courage to speak clearly about certain issues, but really inspirational in the process. And I think, uh, as we can see in the vitriolic nature of social discourse these days, that that part can be lost. And I'm guilty of it just as much as others, but it can be lost in the sense that. We we want clarity, we want courage, but we also don't want to do so at, at the price of uh, of losing our peace and our spirit and creating a turmoil or sin or what have you. And so uh, there's a topic that I invited you on to talk about that I, I'm hoping that you'll provide some of that inspiration, and that's obedience to our bishop and where the line is. And let me just set this up for you, Monsignor, then I'll let you dive in. You know, um, we're still waiting for the McCarrick Report. And uh, now there's rumors, according to Chris Altieri's article, uh, there's rumors that uh, when it does come out, it's going to be lacking really crucial parts. So, uh, you know, we, we've been wanting and asking, how is it possible that a person like McCarrick can rise to prince of the church and wield so much authority and power and influence and abuse so many young men and how uh, that just happened? Uh, and But there are many other stories of scandal and abuse within the church uh, that we've been wanting answers and haven't received them we've been wanting clarity from the from the hierarchy and haven't received it uh, we've seen do, uh, grant money come out of usccb to organizations that actively go against church teaching and support grave moral errors and that's been a scandal no no uh, no insight there no voice of clarity it seems coming to us from that and then now you have 2020 it seems like uh, the church has acquiesced great authority to the state under the guise of public safety, and yet, what are the ramifications of that? What are the consequences of giving so much authority to the state? Lay folks are, are asking these questions. I know I am. We've seen priests like Father Rothrock in Indiana or Father Clay in San Antonio being suppressed for teaching the faith or speaking out against what seems to be Marxist uh, organizations that clearly are contrary to Catholic teaching. And so, in all of this, there are lay folk who are confused, who are angry and frustrated, who want to speak out boldly and courageous, and are asking the, the, the hierarchy and the clergy to, 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 to give us some clarity. And yet, it seems like we're, there's some gray area here. And my question is, where's the line in obedience to the bishop? I don't want to be disobedient to the bishop. I, I want to be obedient. I want to be a faithful son of the church. But where's that line? And so, with that, I give you Monsignor Charles Pope. Yes. All right. Well, you know, we probably should start with what canon law itself says, you know, regarding the relationship of the faithful to their bishop. Um, it says two balancing principles. Um, the first one, from the, I'm, I'm quoting now from canon 212 and paragraph 1, conscious of their own responsibility, the Christian faithful are bound to follow with Christian obedience those things which the sacred pastors, inasmuch as they represent Christ, declare as teachers of the faith, 
or establishes rulers of the church. So there is a, there are some things that we're bound uh, to obey, matters of faith and morals, and also, mm, you might say, um, due disciplines in the church, um, where bishops have a right to set, you know, policies. Now, their their um, their policies are their their right in that regard isn't as absolute as some people sometimes imagine. Um, there are, you know, but anyway, let's move on. It says they, the, the Christian, in paragraph two is, however, the Christian faithful are also free to make known to the pastor of the church their needs, mm. especially spiritual ones and their desires. So in this recent pandemic, you know, people were crying out, can you not make the sacrament of confession and, and, and the Holy Eucharist available to us? And Amen. They have every right to make this request. Um, and uh, we, we're, we're bound, uh, without a serious reason, to provide these things. And I'll get back to that in a minute. But here comes the real key or the money quote when it comes to what you're talking about. Paragraph 3 of Canon 2.12 says, According to the knowledge, competence, and prestige which they possess, the faithful have the right in any times the duty to manifest to the sacred pastors their opinion on matters which pertain to the good of the church, and make their opinion known to the rest of the Christian faithful without prejudice to the integrity of faith and morals and with reverence toward their pastors uh, and attentive to the common advantage and the dignity of persons. So, um, in effect, it's basically saying the faithful have a right to speak out uh, and to express their concerns with either a lack of pastoral care or, or their concerns about perhaps matters in which the bishops um, either puzzle them or uh, seem to present prudential judgments as teachings of the church. Um, and so, again, I think that we have to accept that um, there's sometimes been what I would call an undue deference or an excessive deference uh, to bishops and, and, and priests. Now, I think about 25 years ago we got over being too deferential to priests. <laughs> I mean, at least at least in the big picture, uh, people, the faithful seem to be very free to come and say, "Father, I, I think you're wrong." <laughs> uh, it, it, it's been, at least that's been my experience. Um, but um, but I think that bishops still remain. Well, we have an institutional problem here that many bishops live very insular lives. They're surrounded by their own staff, but mm. they don't really, they don't hear directly from the faithful. Everything is filtered. I'm not saying every bishop, I'm not saying every diocese, but it's an institutional problem that we tend to overly protect the leaders, um, and this leads to a lot of bad decisions and um, a lot of insularity. I'll just finally conclude my opening remarks by saying this, that, and bishops recognize this too, because there's a, a kind of a common joke you may have heard that when a man is ordained a bishop, two things are certain. He'll never have a bad meal again, and he'll never hear the truth again. <laughs> and so it's not entirely their fault, Ouch. but we can sometimes insulate leaders. And Fascinating you say so that. I, I, that's why what I mean when I say it's an institutional problem. Mm. So that's, those are my opening remarks. You know, it's fascinating you bring that up, because, that joke, because today is also the feast day of St. Henry II. And uh, as, uh, as an emperor, he forbid anybody in his court that would just glad hand him, mm-hmm. that would sing his praises. Yeah. He would chastise them for doing, for insulting him by, by praising him and yeah. kicking him out because he knew oh, that their, their yeah. forked tongue had uh, more vicious intentions behind their praises. And mm-hmm. uh, he mm-hmm. didn't trust them, so he had them removed from his court. And, uh, but you know, yeah. uh, I gotta say, I, I'm in the camp that's like, I want to see courage. Why? Because I need courage. I, you know, we, we, I feel like we have an emasculated, uh, you know, church for the most part. We've, we've, we've taken the courage aspect out of our faith because we've lived so comfortably now for so many decades. And here we are seeing the confrontation in society that we have not evangelized. We have no plan to evangelize, and we're not allowed to say that you should become Catholic anymore, it seems. And and mm. I, honestly, from the outside looking in, pure speculation on my part, it seems like the bishops are more afraid of being sued than they are for mm. having supernatural faith and providing the real remedy to the, war, to the issues of the world. Yes. And that's the sacraments and the sacramentals. What would you say to that? Yeah, no, you're, there's a loss of supernatural faith. Um, not just among the bishops, but many priests too. And 
a very serious problem here. There's a, and again, it gets back to this institutional thing. What's, the, what's rule number one for any institution? Institutional survival. Mm-hmm. So in, in that situation, you know, and I'm not even talking about the church now, but just any organization, a business, a corporation, who tends to get promoted? You know, those who say our product is flawed, it needs it needs to be corrected. There's there's dangers in our product. We need to correct them. Um, do they get promoted? No, they they get sidelined. The ones who put on the business suit, who you know engage in the the usual bromides. Um, and uh, are, are not controversial, they, they toe the line, uh, they're very moderate. You know, these are the men who tend to get, get or, or women in any organization that tend to get promoted. Mm. Um, so this is a problem in the church, too, I think, in that you're, gonna, you're not going to find the very prophetic priests who are out there being, you know, kind of edgy, calling the culture to repentance. I mean, I'm not talking about firebrands and, you know, just off-the-wall, you know, crazies, but... But just who consistently say, look, our culture needs real correction. Yeah. This is wrong. That's wrong. They speak frankly. They're not the type who tend uh, to get promoted. Now, there are exceptions, um, but we're going to find that the Catholic Church suffers from what most institutions suffer. You promote men who are safe, who are not controversial, who will not rock the boat. Um, and this tends to lead to a kind of a lukewarm as you, what did you put it? Kind of a lack, a seeming, seeming lack of courage. Yeah, and it's, it's it's institutional, and I don't blame every bishop. I I think we all have a shared responsibility. I don't want to just bash bishops. Uh, a lot of pastors are this way. They're worried about their next assignment. Stop worrying, Father. Preach the gospel. Amen. Prepare to lose everything because Jesus told you to do that. Skip what the bishop thinks. I don't mean all together, but I mean, but but <laughs> worry more about what Jesus thinks of your homily than what the bishop or the people or Mrs. Murphy, Amen. your main donor, thinks. But we don't. We we we. Oh, well, what will Mrs. Murphy say? She'll be upset if I say this because she's divorced and married three times, mm. and you know I can't say this. And so that happens at the priest level too. This isn't just a a problem with bishops. So we have an issue where there's a, you're right, there's a lack of manliness, a lack of courage. And when the, when the bishop or the priest sees the wolf coming, they don't run and the wolf away. They say, well, let's welcome Brother Wolf. We're welcome, <laughs> to the welcome Brother Wolf. Welcome you to the buffet. That, you know, gay marriage is just fine, or you yeah. think that divorce and remarriage, and you know, you know, whatever you think, Mr. Wolf, you are welcome here. We are a welcoming community. And this is what happens because there's no courage and there's right. a lot of fear. And, um, yeah. I had a quick question, Monsignor Pope. This is Teresa. Um, and I wanted to find out, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I've seen, uh, in working with various parishes, um, there can be a lot of tension in how we address our concerns. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one of the things that I had heard about, um, are with the laws of subsidiarity that a lot of people don't know is they're trying to go up the ranks. Do you have any suggestions mm-hmm. on how, if people have a genuine concern, like, what steps should they take so that way they're not... Because some people just write a letter to the bishop, and then the pastor gets upset, and then the person who's in charge of that particular part of the organ, you know, part of the um, missionary work, he gets upset. So how, do you have any suggestions on how to go about dealing with the stuff that's not quite as big as, like, a crisis? I mean, the crisis is a crisis is a crisis, and that's, you know, that's an emergency situation. Yeah. But, like, the typical... You know, maybe how what what the choir sang or what you know how the altar yeah, servers handle right. something. What do you uh, do? You have any suggestions for that? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Subsidiary is very important, and Jesus Himself said that if you got a problem with your brother, go tell him, talk to him, and then if he won't listen, bring a, a witness or two. You know, and finally, if he won't listen, go tell it to the church. So let's take a typical example, like you said, liturgical abuses or a priest who's mm-hmm. too um, wishy washy about the faith. Uh, in, and he says things that are puzzling her, uh, in the homily. So you go first to him. You say, Father, I, I'm concerned, or I don't understand why, um, we're doing what isn't permitted here in the liturgy. And he says, go away, leave me alone. So bring, bring a couple of people with you and try to address them that way. But if you really won't listen, then it is time to go to the bishop. Now, a lot of dioceses also have a, a kind of a middle manager. I'm one of them called a dean. A dean, which okay. is, uh, he oversees maybe a dozen parishes or so, and acts uh, to kind of represent. So you, 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 some people might consider going to the dean 
And, you know, I've, I've had to pick up the phone every now and again and say, Father, what's this I hear about you? <laughs> you know, and talk to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, um, and here's, but here's where the faithful are rightly frustrated. If you try to actually eventually appeal your case to the bishop, you're often going to find silence, a mm-hmm. stone wall. Um, mm-hmm. And um, this is very, I think, problematic um, in that, most dioceses are not well set up to really directly deal with the faithful. Um, and um, I, I think we have to work a lot more at making dioceses more responsive. On the other hand, they're also struggling because there are just some hotheads who are going to call all the time about every little thing, yeah. and they haven't done the subsidiarity that you're suggesting. So we have to, as I say, uh, try to work, uh, be patient, realize we're not going to solve this problem uh, in the next week. We might have to stay persistent. Um, but I, I do think that building a coalition um, of faithful in a parish or in, in an area that goes to the bishop and says, look, our needs are not being met. Uh, we're confused by what you're saying or what the Pope is saying or we need more clarity, and we insist on it. We insist on it. You can say that respectfully. We insist on this. We're the ones who pay your bills. We're the ones who sit in your pews. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm afraid, too, that too many of our bishops are placating the left who don't mm-hmm. even go to church. Right. And they, on, on the other hand, they're very willing to scold the faithful who are the very ones who are paying the bills and showing up at church. And, again, I speak generally. I'm not saying every bishop, but I'm saying that there is this perception among the faithful, that the bishops bend over backwards to placate the left. And I don't even mean liberals. I mean the left, the far left, that is just trying to just, you know, they, they, they hate everything we stand for. Um, and um, and yet when when the faithful come to them, they're, they're, they're brusquely treated. And so it's, it's a very puzzling thing, and I think it, what it comes down to is that politics drives so much of what we do and think in this country. Politics is really preeminent, and the faith is tucked under that. And um, and one of you mentioned also lawyers, lawyers. Mm. The lawyers are don't do that, don't say that. You can't, you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. Oh yeah. You can't. <laughs> and they're trying, they're trying in a way to keep Jesus. It's like Peter trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross. Yeah, yeah. That's a great analogy. Exactly. This will never happen to you. This can't. This is not possible. Yeah. You can't suffer. Yeah. We, but, of course, that was the whole point. He, he had to suffer mm. to save us. Well, we have just a few minutes left in the radio broadcast with uh, Monsignor Charles Pope. And, Monsignor, I would invite you, if you have time, if you're able, to hang out with us for the after show, uh, which we stay on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and YouTube for another half hour. We would love to have you to continue the conversation. But the last question I want to put out there for the radio side of our show mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, a lot of uh, lay folk have expressed to me, and I've personally felt it as well, ab- you know, abandoned by and large by the hierarchy in the church you know uh, you know again I'm speaking in a very broad way here very general just to sort of express the feeling it's like they're hiding in their chanceries and uh, we get a letter or whatever a little statement and uh, we're left to figure this out on our own we're left to, to sort of sort out facts and fiction all by ourselves and and where do we stand on all these issues and you know when, when we speak out you know of course the uh, social justice mob will come after you we've experienced that personally you know and it's been a very frustrating experience. There are many Catholics who work in corporate environments who have essentially stripped them of their First Amendment rights to have an opinion. Mm -hmm. And uh, your opinion Mm -hmm. isn't welcome in our company. And if you express that at all, publicly or privately, you can be fired from your job. Where are the bishops Mm -hmm. in speaking out against that tragedy? I mean, these are American citizens, taxpayers that now have no First Amendment rights because of corporate America placating to this left that you spoke of. You know, so there's the sentiment of a Abandonment in many parts. In your last few minutes on the show, maybe you can speak to that or give us some encouragement. Well, let's consider the life of the average bishop. He's surrounded by a communications director, by lawyers, and by other, you know, uh, staff members um, who caution him. You know, well, if you say this, the media will react this way. So the communication director is worried if he speaks, you know, something that doesn't go with the modern political media, which we know very far to the left as a general norm. Uh, and then likewise, the lawyers, well, if you say that, it's called hate speech. Uh, if you stand up for this, you know, you know, you might find this group comes again. You know, and so he's surrounded by these kinds of counselors. 
And it's overwhelming at times. And as I say, this is an institutional problem. So I'm not blaming every particular bishop, but I'm thinking somewhere you look for a man who rests himself free from that and say, what are the good people of God saying? What do they need? Um, we're more interested in protecting the institution hmm. than taking care of the of the sheep or the shep- you know the shepherd caring for the flock. And this, but it's, it's, it's a trap because most bishops are, they walk into a chancery. This, all these things are set up and running. And rare is the man who can just really break through the bureaucracy and, and really snap that. So, um, I, I, I think your original question slipped away from me. Could you reiterate it? Well, just as we're, so many of us are feeling abandoned in all of this, and mm, we're not yes. receiving the sort of the guidance the she- from the shepherds mm. that we would long for and really truly would want. You know, there was that mm-hmm. argument yeah. that uh, broke out over the incredibly charitable Twitter feed. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I say that tongue in cheek, obviously. The vitriol <laughs> nature of Twitter is crazy. Uh, you know, with Bishop right. Barron and his comments with Taylor Marshall, yeah, yeah, and right. then you know, and but then Bishop Barron yeah, showed up right, and prayed right. in front of the statue. Like I was inspired by that why don't we see yeah. more of that yeah. and so again it's uh, to yeah. say what what are we as lay folks supposed to do we, we feel abandoned we yeah, speak okay. out yeah, we sure. but are we being disobedient are we being unfaithful uh, uh, children of the church by <clears throat> speaking out at all or should we just keep our mouth closed sit in the pew pay our yeah, thighs right. pray and then pretend like there's nothing wrong here yeah no i i, I think saint uh, saint paul gives good advice to timothy 60 says, seconds you know, monsignor don't rebuke an older Okay, don't rebuke an older man, but appeal to him as a father. So uh, we have to, I think, speak respectfully to our bishops. They do have authority over us in, in some degree. But we also say, like I had to sometimes say to my earthly father when he was alive, Dad, I think you're wrong on this. Listen to me, please. I love you. I need, I need you to think this way. I need you to work with me on this. So, as I say, I, rather than just, you know, shaking our fist and being, you know, these darn bishops, and, and that's that's where I think we begin to cross the line, and we sound more like, you know, kind of a worldly political group than than than, than uh, sons and daughters of the church. So go to our bishops with a heartfelt cry. You're my father, and I need you to be a father, and I'm not I'm not experiencing that here. And um, but be earnest. And again, the faithful have a right to speak not just to the bishop, but to fellow Catholics, and to say, I really think the bishop is wrong in this. Let's engage him together. And so as much as I might occasionally be worried a little bit about Taylor Marshall or certainly Michael Voris and some of their extremes, I think we need them. And they begin to set a conversation. I would be a little bit more uh, respectful in my tone than at times I find that. But I respect them, and we need these voices in the church. And so all of us, I think, so, you know, we need to hone our message as a, as a plea of love and respect, but we need to say Amen. Not, we're not being ministered to. Okay. So hold it so, there, yeah. and maybe, Monsignor, can That's you give us your priestly blessing, please? May Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Praise be to Jesus. Monsignor Charles Pope will be the keynote on the Summer Speaker Series event coming up July 23rd. You can get in on that no matter where you are on planet Earth. You're certainly welcome to. Go to grnonline.com. Go to the events menu at the top and look for the Summer Speaker Series. It includes pizza and it includes, I think you have to be in the Dallas area for the pizza part, but it does include a book uh, autograph from Monsignor. So thanks for hanging out with us today on the Guadalupe Radio Network and GRN Live Monday. Don't forget the after show on social media. Media coming up here in just a minute. I want to thank Teresa Camara from HoustonCoalition.com, Tim Mott, uh, Adrian Fonseca, and uh, David Magianis for producing the show, and of course, Monsignor Charles Pope. God bless you. We'll see thank you next you time. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number. Or and take Jesus wherever you go this week.
Join the people of faith helping people in need at Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. Watch and donate during Together in Spirit, a special video event on Facebook featuring a message and prayer from His Eminence Daniel Cardinal Donardo. See videos of Catholic Charities in action providing compassionate care to families, seniors, and children during the COVID-19 pandemic. Get a link at catholiccharities.org slash together. That's catholiccharities.org slash together. Blessed be God. Blessed be His holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be His most sacred heart. Blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious Assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in His angels and in His saints.